There's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Where are all my wild women? This show is for you. Let me just say, wow, this show is just wow. My dear friend, my new friend. We became really good Instagram friends and talked about very personal things before we ever met each other. And then she came into my house and I was like, I think I love you. She's so incredible. Jalen Wolf and I talk about releasing identities for the wild woman to emerge, the call of the void and what the other side tastes like. She is untamed. She is wild. She has stepped outside of the box. We talked about tethering ourselves to identities and always searching for something more. What is fear's role in our lives? How we bypass our own truths and we're afraid of our own power. She talks about how she really identifies with the sorceress and what it is to be grounded versus holding yourself back and hating your body and living in your head, using coping mechanisms to escape and sitting in the darkness and embracing it. This is such an incredible episode that redefines what feminine and softening means. And her poetry and her words and the way she shows up in the world are so remarkable and so inspiring. I am honored, absolutely honored to know her. You can find her on Instagram at Jalen Wolf. That's J-A-E-L-Y-N Wolf. And I highly recommend you follow her and just dive into all of her poetry on Instagram. It is, whew, sometimes it makes me cry. Sometimes I'm like, hell yes, girl. I really feel like what she says resonates with so many of us. Before we get into this show, I want to tell you about an incredible episode that Connor did on the realness with our friend Carl Sona. He really has men on because... You know, he loves ladies and the ladies love having his lady guests on. So it's such a treat to have Carl on the show. And Carl does such a beautiful job of talking with Connor about toxic masculinity and what that even means, how this culture of men speaking poorly about women is no longer tolerated, yet we want them to desire us and objectify us in ways. And they get into what that's like. Connor even shares his experience with me in that space and how he makes me feel sexy and desired and playful while respecting me at the same time. They talk through so much of their childhoods and Carl's family lineage and everything that they have gone through. I cannot recommend this episode enough. It is, it is so good and so inspiring from these two. I will put the link in the show notes for this one, but look up Carl Sona on The Realness from just a few weeks ago. All right, guys, let's get to this one with Jalen. 
Boxes are no place for you, my love, nor are cartons or crates with boundaries and corners like golden cages keeping you confined or constrained. You are the wild thing, the untamed, unmanageable, hard to restrain, with flesh weathered by mountains that tried to stand in your way and a heart ardent, impassioned, refusing to cave to the demands of the demons that beckoned you to betray yourself. Boxes are no place for you, my love, nor are shackles or cages or those unwilling to dance in the shadows and bathe in your power. Mm. Thank <laughs> you for starting with that. You're welcome. So good. Where did that come from within you? You know, it's interesting just looking at the photo. So Emily just had her book reading and it was this, you know, celebration of her coming into herself. And it, my poetry has always kind of been a, an exploration of who I am, where I am, you know, inspired by people around me or things that people have said to me. And it was, it was kind of a, an exploration of that night and kind of how I felt coming out of it and some stuff I've been struggling with recently. So it was just, yeah, kind of where I'm at and a letter to myself essentially, as well as, I mean, you know, my best friend having released this poetry book, it's often like we're, we're usually dealing with the same thing at the same time in a large way and um, kind of a celebration of, you know, in embracing who you are and not letting anybody define you or constrain you or yeah, like embracing your power really. How have you felt boxed in in your life? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd say that I do the self-imposed boxing of myself. And I put myself into situations that I basically tether myself to something unintentionally. And I think for the longest time, it was tethering myself to identities. You know, I, I've done all of these different things. I've gone through different stages in my life and letting go of those can be really challenging. So I was a competitive snowboarder. And for the longest time after that, I identified with that and I held myself in that space and then, it, you know, I was a competitive CrossFitter after that and tethering myself to that identity and holding on to that and, you know, like moving through different stages of my life. I kind of always did that to myself. And then even on like a darker level, like having had an eating disorder, having had brain injuries, like holding on to those identities and how they have affected me. So I'd say for the most part, they're self-imposed. And I always kind of have to go back to like, I'm an autonomous human being with agency and I am in charge of how I perceive myself and the world around me. And it's up to me to change something if I want to. And I think I, I often feel stuck or caged or constrained. And maybe that's why I've always been searching for something more and attracted to the things that make me feel wild or make me feel free and empowered and, you know, crave that really. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of this push and pull between like wanting to feel safe and secure in my identity and also realizing that I am constantly evolving and changing and having to embrace that as well. Do you feel like there was a sense of wanting to bypass your own truth and reality by attaching to those other identities? You know, I've never thought of it that way, but now that you say that, yes. Yeah. Um, I think that fear comes into play 
and being afraid of, I think I've always kind of been a little, I mean, not maybe not recently, but I've always been a little afraid of my power because I tend to be a pretty magnetic person and a pretty like, like a sorceress. That's kind of how I've defined it as like, I've grown into embracing myself and I, yeah, I think I was always afraid of that and attaching to something that was in my past was a really easy way to keep me grounded in a bad way. Like in the past, I'd say rather than open, open to any sort of new experience or new identity or evolution of an identity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's an interesting way to look at that, but yes, Well, and I like too, that you were just saying it kept you grounded in a bad way, because I think that's where we can get confused sometimes because we want to be grounded in, especially if you're a spiritual person and you want to have that balance, but then it's almost the groundedness is, is like an anchor that holds you back, not grounds you rooted in the earth. And I think it's, it's really hard to decipher the difference between those two things. How does it feel for you when you are grounded being held back versus grounded and rooted so that you can expand outward. Yes. So the ground grounded and being held back, even just in thinking about it, I feel anxiety and I have dealt with all sorts, you know, like anxiety, depression, my entire life and feeling held back, um, or grounded where I am holding myself back feels like it feels gut wrenching. I like viscerally, I feel it in my chest and my hips and like, I don't have a voice. I feel it in my throat. It's like, it moves from my, like up from the base of my spine up to my throat and then it gets stuck. And that, oh, like I, I felt that way on and off my entire life. And it just, it wreaks havoc on my nervous system. Um, and then when I feel grounded and, know, I forgot the exact words you used in terms of like being expansive and being like fully embodied in who I am. I feel like there's energy that moves through me where I kind of dissolve, if that makes sense. Mm. And I, I then become a part of the process of everything around me. And I am open to experience and, you know, open to really communicating and connecting with other people, which is a big part of who I am is loving others and like just connection. And I find that I shut down when I'm grounded in a negative way and go inwards in a way that I I don't feel comfortable around other people. And then when I kind of feel the opposite, like everything around me is connecting and like just lit on fire. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers it. No, it does. Um, it's beautiful. I think something that I'm really passionate about teaching women, especially is how to feel themselves, feel their body, understand what's happening within them. Because I personally ignored my body for so long and all the red flags and all the signs. Yeah. And I was never connected to myself. I don't even think I was in my body. I was somewhere else trying to escape because life was too hard. Yeah. So now that I'm present in my body, just getting really aware of what those feelings are, because no one teaches you how to understand the difference between your, your gut and your intuition and anxiety, and this is wrong and this is right. And whatever that looks like for you. And that's scary because then we're making decisions from a place like such a lack of awareness and fear. 
And so when you can drop in and truly like viscerally feel all those things, that anxiety rising up in your chest and then being stuck in your throat, I mean, that changes everything. I imagine for you, the decisions you make, the place from which they come is completely different than what it was before. A hundred percent. And yeah, you're right. The body, our bodies tell us everything. Um, And it's something actually I've been diving into a lot lately in terms of trauma and processing trauma and how to heal trauma. And from, you know, like a spiritual level, emotional level, like the way we nourish ourselves, that kind of stuff. And our bodies give us so information, so much information if we're willing to listen. And if we're disconnected from our bodies, like we don't really have much, like that's, that's where everything begins. And yeah, I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such important information that we are given on a daily basis. And if we don't listen to it, like I, I still often feel disconnected from my body. It's something that I have to constantly work on, but the awareness that it's something that I can work on in itself is super helpful. When you felt really disconnected from your body, what was the awareness around that? And were you able to pinpoint where that was coming from? I'm trying to think like where I can draw in like the most disconnected I've been. So I had an eating disorder for a really long time. And I'd say that's when it wasn't that I was just disconnected from my body. It was that I fucking hated my body. So I rebelled against anything that I was feeling and I was living in my head and living in, you know, this insecure and judgmental space of my body. So even if I could feel myself, I didn't want to, I was so shut down. And so it's more just like, rather than a specific time period, I'd say, or like specific moment, it was just a way of being. Mm. And I don't, what was the second part of that question? Like how did I get out of it? Or Or yeah. How did, what was, what was the awareness that that was happening? What was happening? Like, were you, Oh, were you able to pinpoint where that was coming from? I don't know if I could pinpoint what it was coming from at the time or where it was coming from at the time. I think it was just a complete disconnection with who I am, what I want, what my values are, how I want to show up in this world and an obsession or a preoccupation with, I don't even know. I mean, eating disorders are really complicated as I'm sure you know. And it was a a hatred of so many things about who I was and a way of a way of managing my anxiety and depression. It was a coping mechanism, a way of, you know, escaping and, you know, continues to be like, I'll always, it's always something I have to be aware of, but um, it was just a complete separation from how I show up in the world. What were you and, trying to escape about yourself? Probably everything. <laughs> um, I, I think I grew up in a really superficial environment, um, at least like critical from like an exterior perspective. And it became like how I controlled food in a world that, you know, I felt out of control of, um, you know, my parents were going through a divorce. I like all of the cliche, like, you know, privileged white girl things, Mm -hmm. um, food became a control mechanism as well as something that I had, you know, well, I had the physical insecurities of being super muscular and athletic growing up in a space that was telling me to be thin. And then 
my life kind of got out of control in like my like perception of what I could control. So food became a way to do that. Um, and then just as I, as I got older, you know, kind of evolved in different situations, it was always a coping mechanism. So it was never one thing. It was always just life that would throw something at me that I couldn't manage. Um, and then, yeah, insecurities, wanting to be smaller or less than or take up less space, thinking like, you know, the traditional forms of beauty are what's important. And I never really fit those. Like I'm basically, I've always just been jacked. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Came out of the womb that way. Um, <laughs> it's genetic, but that was always something I really struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like culturally and societally, we are taught that to be powerful um, is not nece- as a female is not necessarily what is feminine. And I always struggled with that because I'm a pretty powerful person in like both a physical sense and an emotional, you know, spiritual sense. And I fought that for a long time. Um, And it's only, you know, the last five years or so that I've really started to embrace that side of myself Um, and all of the, you know, beautiful things that come with it. But what um, does it mean about you if you are as powerful as you can be? What does it mean about me or well, in general? I mean, for you in your experience, there's a fear. I have the same fear yeah. of like being as big and as bright and as powerful as I can be, because what does that mean? If I yeah. reach that place or if I become truly that person yeah. that I know I have within me, what does that mean about me? And what are the effects of that? The fear of becoming uh, that woman. Will you be accepted for being seen as truly who you are? Um, and I think, you know, I think that's what it means in general. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm afraid of that anymore. I think I, I've gotten to this place of self-love and self-acceptance and, you know, plant medicine has been a big part of that experience and that journey. Um, and truly learning to appreciate myself and having people around me that really embrace that with me. Um, but I think it comes down to if you, embody like who you are in the most powerful sense and you lose every, you know some of the things around you some of the people around you then what does that mean mm-hmm. but again like that's something i'm no longer afraid of because i think i've gotten to a place of like self acceptance and self love and all mm. of those really lovely things but mm. yeah i think just fear yeah i mean i i just met you yesterday we've yeah. been talking a lot online <laughs> we're yeah. online friends yes. but the thing actually Sav and I were talking about you this morning because I told her how excited I was to finally meet you. And she, I was saying about just how like calm you are and just very collected. And she said, you know, the thing that I notice about Jalen is that she is very introspective and like very connected with herself, but she's very calm in that space. There's not a lot. It doesn't feel at least from an outsider's perspective, like there's a lot of chaos in your head. You seem very at peace. Is that your experience? So it hasn't been in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, and I go through different periods of sort of the groundedness in a good way and the sort of like shackling myself in a negative way. Um, and it's been the last five years that I went through. I, 
we were talking last night, I went through this really difficult breakup that changed everything for me. It was the catalyst of becoming who I am today. And in that, I took a really hard look at myself. Um, it was like three years of a ton of work um, and getting really, really comfortable with my dark side um, and sitting in the darkness and embracing it. And that it's not that I would consider myself just calm in general. It's that I, regardless of whether or not I'm sitting in the darkness or like embracing the lightness, it's being super comfortable with both sides and being super comfortable with myself in that space and not being afraid of who I am. I, like, I am definitely a complicated person in terms of like what's going on in my head all the time. And I believe we all are. Mm -hmm. I think if you're willing to look at yourself, you can tap into it quite a bit more. And I've gotten really comfortable like with radical self acceptance, but also, uh, I don't know, like diving into who I am mm -hmm. and embracing that. And that's where a lot of my writing comes from and poetry and stuff is just processing and feeling. And I just, I love it. Mm -hmm. Like I love that process. Mm -hmm. Connor talks a lot about his darkness and embracing it and how scared he was for so long. And I guess I've never really asked this question to anyone because I don't, I, I feel like this concept is so big. I can't really wrap my mind around it. What in your experience is your darkness? What is it that you were not accepting or experiencing? Uh, that's a really good question. My, you know, I think I can't separate like my darkness from who I am. Like I am like, I live in the shadows a lot of the time and it's, it's where my mind goes. It's, what I feel it's, I think a big part of it is kind of the mental health aspect of growing up with anxiety and depression and just not feeling okay or normal for half the time, but recognizing that th that in itself is pretty normal if you're willing to admit it and willing to acknowledge it. Um, so it's, it's just a state of being for me and it's, it's like a full acceptance of who I am in the human experience and not being afraid to feel the full spectrum of emotion. Cause I'm kind of an extremist and I have like really high highs and really low lows and recognizing that those low lows are one, they give me the ability to have the highs. It also, it's what makes me who I am and what gives me the breath of experience that I have. And allows me to feel everything super intensely. So maybe it comes down to just the ex extremes at which I feel. Mm. And I tend to feel really, really intensely. So when it's low, it's low. And when it's high, it's super high. And so I think my, my darkness is more just like the intensity of emotion when those emotions are emotions that kind of bring me down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, or in this case, kind of a lot, but not... I don't like to put moral judgment on things. So like not, not down in a negative way, just in a different realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which also allows me to be super introspective. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. It's so hard for us to feel our feelings when we don't know how to. Yeah. What was the catalyst or the point where you realized I need to feel all the things and that's okay. 
Definitely my breakup. Yeah. That was, I spent the first three months going to sleep, hoping I wouldn't wake up. Like I've never been suicidal. I wasn't suicidal, but like not wanting to be alive was really challenging. Um, you know, and I'd been depressed in the past and whatever, but this was, I'd lost myself in this relationship. And I mean, it was like no fault to him. He was an incredible individual, but when he left me, I realized that I had, I didn't know who I was anymore. I'd given up all the things that made me who I, who I am. And I think that that was the catalyst for realizing that if I don't feel this, I'm never going to move through it. And that my power is in my ability to feel. And I, I mean, that was definitely the catalyst. And then you add in, you know, all of the experiences I had after with, um, different forms of plant medicine, different relationships that came up and different, you know, practices that I guess I got into, um, like breath work and different stuff like that, that really allowed me to feel myself and to accept myself. And it took losing everything to be able to, to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I honestly didn't really have a choice. <laughs> Yeah. Why do you think you were willing to give up yourself for this person in this relationship? I think it's really easy to do that. Yeah. I think especially as women, we have a tendency to sacrifice ourselves for other people. And I would not, I wouldn't take back any of the decisions I made. We had an incredible relationship for a really long time. And now all I have for him is love and appreciation and gratitude because he gave me myself back by leaving me. And he was an incredible person um, or continues to be an incredible person. We're no longer in touch, but he's an incredible human. And I think I just got wrapped up in it. I was young. I was like 20 or 21 when we started dating and threw myself into that world. He owned a CrossFit gym. I joined. We were competitive CrossFitters together and I wanted to spend all my time with him and support him and all of those things. And in doing so, like gave up all the things I cared about outside of the relationship, outside of our interests together. And again, like no fault to him that's on me and that's my responsibility. And I think we have to go through those experiences as individuals, as women to realize what we are willing to, to give and take in relationships, where our boundaries are, what's important to us and who like, how we want to show up for our partners. And I, I wasn't a great partner to him for a long time and I wasn't necessarily a great partner to myself. And I think that's what it comes down to. I, I wasn't super empathetic or compassionate. I was a much harder individual in general. And I, in that breakup, I was able to discover parts of myself. I didn't know were there in empathy and compassion and patience and gratitude and all of these things that I feel like I do embody now and learning that my power is in serving other people and loving people. And I didn't have that. So I, yeah, gosh, I have him to thank for it. And if he ever hears this, you know, thank you so much for, you know, giving me myself back. What does it feel like for you when you meet parts of yourself that you've never known before? Mm -hmm. It feels safe. Um, and it feels like a, a reclamation of who I am. And I think, you know, I, I believe in past lives and it's, it's not that I'm meeting these things for the first time. It's that in this lifetime, I'm meeting these things for the first time. So it feels 
it feels like a homecoming, a reclamation, a, um, a rediscovery. And like, I am just, yeah, like more on fire each Mm. and every time that happens. I have a different experience. Tell me. I get fucking scared shitless. Really? Oh, give me an example. Tell me. Oh God, that's a great question. Let me try and come up with that while I explain this process that I go through. But like, and I always tell Connor, I thank him for showing me the parts of myself that I've never known before. Like he's really expanded me in so many ways. And I'm so grateful because he challenges the shit out of me and it's so annoying, but so great. And every time I realize something about myself that is true to who I am, that I've never acknowledged Uh, in this life, I freak out because it scares me to almost embrace the authentic version of myself. And it's, I don't feel safe. I feel out of control because it's not something that I know. And so it, I, I spiral a little bit and I will for a week or two feel crazy because it's so scared to acknowledge something. I feel like I have no control over that. I haven't experienced a lot. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, but this is who I am. And then I get to where you get is like a homecoming and a reclamation and this is who I am and I can yeah. accept myself. I don't know. It's happened a lot over the last year. And of uh, course, right now I can't think of a, a, a specific real example. It's okay. But it's, it's weird, but I understand it. Cause it's, I'm so, I have been in the past so controlling yeah. that the idea of something I don't know a lot about, even though at my core, I know I do cause yeah. it's who I am. It's really scary. And it goes back to the fear of like judgment. If I become who I actually am, will I be accepted? Yeah. And is this wrong? <laughs> like, am I bad because of this? Oh. That's where my brain goes. Yeah. I love, I, I love that, but I, it's also, I think I love that because I love the darkness and mm-hmm. I feel super comfortable in it. And I think, I think that that goes back to why it feels safe for me when I'm discovering something about myself that I didn't know was there. I think this goes back to like over the last four or five years, I've really learned that I have no fucking control mm-hmm. and that I, I have to be able to surrender. And when I surrender, when I recognize that I have no control, that the fullest expression of who I am can be sort of like it can blossom. Mm-hmm. And that process has happened. You know, maybe it's just that I'm like a couple more years into like the rediscovery that it sounds like the last year for you has been mm-hmm. that. So I think the first year this was happening and the first longer than that, the first couple of years was gut wrenching. Like, Oh, I mean, and it's still, you know, it can still be gut wrenching for sure, but I've gotten so comfortable with that process and so comfortable with the, just embracing the kind of like the dark side of the coin that I am, Mm -hmm. that it's now like, Oh, this is something I'm learning that like I need to be shown. And, the only way I can go, like the only direction to go is forward with this. The only way that this works is if I continue to evolve. And so maybe it feels scary at times, but it's more just the recognition that that is, it is authentic to who I am. It is bringing me further along this path of evolution and discovery. And like at the end of the day, like that's, that to me is what life is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's, I just have gotten comfortable with it in general. Mm -hmm. I think for me, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like scenarios where this has come up and a lot of it is around sexuality for me. 
and I realize that I'll like something. And then, I mean, it feels like the devil is in my mind being like, you're disgusting. Your parents are going to think you're disgusting. (sighs) What the fuck is wrong with you? You're so gross. And I just, I mean, I want to shrivel up and die. I feel so bad about myself. And it's this programming that we've all learned is this is the right way. This is the wrong way. Girls do this. Girls don't do that. Like be proper, the whole thing. And the more I realize or I'm honest about my desires and things that I never knew about myself, I have this internal battle of, oh my God, this feels so good. I want to feel more of this. And then this voice that's just telling me I'm disgusting. The demons on the shoulder. And it's, it's really hard to, to accept that and to know that that is, that is not me. That is okay. That that voice is there and just to let it go. But I think that's where it is for me. It's just owning that part of myself. So I have two questions that just came up. Mm -hmm. Um, One, do you feel like you deserve pleasure in your life? Yes. And then two, I, I, don't know a ton about your upbringing. So Mm -hmm. where at least sexually does that kind of like the stigma come into play? Cause I'm curious cause Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily grow up with a ton of restrictions or like, like sex wasn't something that was seen as a sin or something that I should be ashamed of. And still like sex is hard to talk about with partners and it's hard to, you know, have the conversation of what, what brings me pleasure, pleasure and all of that. And I have like an added like, I mean, there's a ton that goes into it with, as it does with all of us, but I'm curious as to your experience growing up mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Yeah. So, um, I've told this story a couple of times. I figured out how to masturbate when I was five Ooh, and I, yeah, fun. super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like went into my mom's room and I was like, mom, look what I can do. And I like showed her and she was super chill. Okay. My parents are amazing. They didn't like yell at me or anything, but she's like, okay, like that's something, you know, we're not going to do that. And so I heard that from her and then I would do it at school. I'd be like sitting on the carpet Uh, when we're like during reading time and I'd have my hand down my pants. And the teacher was like, if you want to touch yourself, like you need to go to the bathroom. We don't do that in front of people, something along those lines. And so I learned that this thing was really bad and I wasn't supposed to do it. Interesting. So then I don't think I did it again until I was probably 16 or 17. And then a lot of missed orgasms. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) And I didn't lose my virginity until after high school. And I was with a very manipulative, like horrible person. And so I think just my, my experience overall was one, I didn't believe that I was meant to have pleasure because when I did have pleasure, I was told it was bad and not, I wasn't supposed to do it. And I think that's when I really started disconnecting from my body and thought I was a bad girl and did something wrong. And that's like my biggest fear in life is to disappoint people that I respect. And then just, I feel like most of my sexual experiences after that were very much me doing things for other people and just sort of my body was being used rather than like really (laughs) embracing my sexuality and being like this wild woman that I feel like I'm becoming now. So it just created a false sense of reality for me of what was possible. I never talked about pleasure. Yeah. Neither did I. I I totally identify with that. I think, and this goes into, you know, like relationships that I've had and like sexual trauma, not like abuse, but just like trauma coming out of relationships and how sex was dealt with is feeling really used sexually and it being more about the man's pleasure and less about and like what I can provide Mm -hmm. and like me as this like vessel for orgasm for a male, as opposed to like actually feeling myself and like, what do I like? What brings me pleasure? 
what actually turns me on. And I think, I mean, I think we're in this space, at least in like the communities that you and I are a part of where there's a conversation going on about pleasure and what that means and how we nourish ourselves and how we talk about it and how we ask for what we want, how we figure out what we want. And I, I mean, that's a constant exploration. Like I, one of the things that has come out of a, that breakup was recognizing that I felt used sexually towards the end being like associating affection with sex. And again, like not his fault, my stuff. Um, and it's been really, really challenging for me to move past associating affection with like when a man or a partner is wants or is affectionate, it means they want sex. And then that's all that I have to offer them. Mm. And that, that has been really challenging for me to work through because then I feel like my value for a partner is in like what I can give them and like feeling used and all of that. And luckily I'm dating somebody who doesn't make me feel that way. And he's been really healing for me in that respect. But that dynamic of feeling like our value is in what we can give to another sexually is really challenging to get over. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard, I think, to then, this goes back to feeling our bodies, to feel our bodies. Um, so I, I totally identify with that. Yeah. How would you define your connection with your sexuality at this point? Oh, that's something I've been working with a lot. And I definitely don't think I'm, I think I'm, how do I explain this? I, there's a lot that goes into like the term sexuality. So in a lot of ways, I'm really comfortable with that. And I'm really comfortable at least understanding what brings me pleasure. It's also, there's also this blockage of like letting go of what's going on in my head and, and like, and feeling myself at least while I'm having a sexual experience. Um, and actually it's interesting. Breath work mm. has been really, really powerful for that for me because it's, it's feeling myself as opposed to thinking. And then this gets into like insecurities. And if I'm like in bed with somebody, are they just like, like, do they actually want me there? Which is a really interesting thing to have thought of recently. But then, you know, like, am I comfortable being like the full expression of myself sexually or in bed with somebody or whatever and not being insecure about myself? So I'd say like, where am I at with my sexuality? I'm comfortable, comfortable with myself. I'd say each partner I have brings something else up that allows me to explore it further. And I, I'd say it's just a constant evolution, a constant struggle in some ways, a constant exploration. Um, but it's something that I love being able to work on with myself and mm -hmm. really diving into like a lot of the intention I've had in like some of the, the plant medicine stuff that I've been doing is to channel like the divine feminine in me. And it's something I want to continue to work on a lot more, but that's, that's a lot of like where my writing comes from and where I see myself going and, you know, yeah, getting into that. When you talk about the divine feminine, the thing that I feel come up is just the idea of softening. Yeah. And 
I feel like I lived most of my life very much in the masculine, the go, go, go competitive, um, have to be in charge control freak. And it's been very hard to let that version of me go or just to sort of soften her so that she can just be present and in flow and be feminine. And I'm just curious what that has felt like for you. It's been really challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, and it's, it's interesting hearing you say that as well, because I look at you, I'm like, feminine. Yeah. Right. And like, but we live in this world of like, yeah, go, go, go. Like I've, I've been a competitive athlete my entire life. And that brings on like this whole other, like, you know, competitive thing. And I'm no longer super competitive, but like all of the, the sports I've done being like snowboarding, CrossFit, jujitsu, like it's, it's fairly male dominated in general. And like perceiving myself as soft and feminine has been a challenge. And it's, it's less of, I think for me, it's be, it's a re redefining of, and a, an exploration of what feminine means to me and how I can, how I can soften as a person in terms of like how I show up for others and how I move through space and how I treat myself. Um, but that's been, that's been a really big challenge, especially because like type a, like, you know, success and all, all of the things that make us feel less, I don't know, embodied, whatever words you want to put on embodied or like slowing down and like taking care of ourselves and like, yeah, just softening. Like that's, been a, that's been a really big challenge. Are there certain things you've done that you feel have made the biggest difference in you being able to soften? Yes, but it was, it was yeah, that breakup. Mm-hmm. That, that forced me into a softening, um, forced me into, like I came out of it with empathy and compassion and gratitude and those, those qualities. It like, that just broke me down in a way that I, I didn't have that, at all before. So I think trauma in general has the capacity to soften us. And I think we come out of trauma, trauma being subjective, either bitter or grateful. And if you can go the path of gratitude, you let it soften you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's often a choice, but that was definitely like the pivotal point for me. And then I mean, plant medicine in general has softened me quite a bit. You know, I, I went through like yoga teacher training, which so a lot of self-work, a lot of the like diving into embracing the poetry that has come out of all of that and using my voice, finding my voice. Um, it's just been like a consistent practice. Yeah. I love that you say finding your voice because that's what plant medicine has done for me. Yes. I In one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, I think it was um, when Connor and I were in Costa Rica this last year together. I became a lioness and it was like this, this need to roar and to be loud and to take up space in that. And I didn't realize for how long I had felt like my, my voice and my true essence had been suppressed. And it was just this like awakening and this alive feeling Mm -hmm. and much like you, I, I just, just got chills. Yeah. I just started writing so much and I just had so much coming out of me. And in that roar, 
was the softening. It was like yep. the walls came down. I rose up. I became truly who I was. I used my voice and I owned it. And then I just softened. Yeah. I was like, I didn't feel a need to protect myself anymore or to be something I wasn't. It was like, this is who I am. Yeah. Oh, it felt so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally identify with that and have had, yeah, similar. I mean, I wasn't a lioness. I was a dragon, but yeah, the same, like finding your voice and being comfortable in it. And that can be the softening as opposed to, I think prior to that being like the go, 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 like you're still using your voice, but it's inauthentic and it's, it's noise. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not coming from this place of grounded, like security and embracing who you are and coming out of that experience. It sounds like, yeah, like you let go of these walls and these boundaries and it, yeah. In, in the roaring is the softness. And I think that that's, I mean, this was kind of what you were saying before we started the podcast. Like, what does it mean to be a wild woman? I think that's what it means. It is being the most, like the most fully expressed version of yourself, knowing that that changes, you know, like in fully embodying who you are and fully accepting that you are at your most powerful and at your most wild and feminine. And that's what it means. Like it's, it doesn't mean that you have to be like off in the mountains with like your hair wild. And like, that's wonderful. Like, I love that. That's like speaking to my soul, yeah. but it doesn't have to be that it can be sitting in a bath and it can be anything really like it. It's just the full embrace of who you are, how you use your voice and do so unapologetically and authentically. I'm curious if you've had this experience at all. I had really rough relationships with women my whole life, yes. starting from a young age, bullied, all the things that we go through. And so I really pushed women away. And I really believed that I did not have the capacity to have female friends. It just wasn't for me. And then working with men my whole life and being around men, I finally reached my tipping point and was like, okay, better go back to the ladies. I can't, <laughs> can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I, I really consciously opened myself up to women yeah. and I have some of the most incredible friends now. And I'm so grateful and, and just our community and our listeners. And for me, part of the softening was my relationship with women, which was a perfect mirror back to myself. And the more I embraced other women and loved them for who they were and are and all of their things, the more I was able to love myself. And I opened myself up to other women and their energy, that divine feminine energy and that connectedness without knowing that I was actually just opening it up to myself. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> talk about being able to breathe for the first time. Yeah. Um, I totally identify with that as mm. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, all my friends were men, you know, when I was younger, like my closest friends were guys. I, I had some, you know, girlfriends in college and grad school, but you know, most of my friends were men for sure. And yeah, I shunned females. I thought they were catty and competitive and just didn't really have time for that in my mind. And, um, when I really started to love myself, I, Know, like could love other people and you know opening up to myself allowed me to open up to other people and embracing the female relationships I had and like 
exactly what you said. Like I could, I could see those women as reflections of myself. And I think Emily's, you know, been one of the most, that relationship, the relationship I have with her really embodies that concept. And one of my closest friends in Utah, the same thing, but yeah, as females that that's kind of at least like the most powerful females I know that's kind of been a, a constant. And I think it's a shame when we, if we don't let those boundaries go and see other women as bringing us up and empowering us and like, God, when we're like, we are witchy and powerful and like sorcery, <laughs> like, like all of the most incredible things happen when we fucking band together. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's incredible. And I think, I don't think we can have authentic female relationships if we don't really start to, you know, look at ourselves and love ourselves and that kind of stuff, because it's just like the same shit we grew up thinking, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, and for me, it's like, if I deny your magic and your beauty and your power. I'm denying my own. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how, how much do we hold ourselves back because of our insecurities and fear of you being beautiful and powerful and having all these things and that meaning something bad about me. Whereas when I celebrate all of that amazingness of you, I actually am really celebrating myself too. Oh yes. You're yeah, exactly. God. Yeah. I think that's been, that's been one of the most powerful transformations for me in the last six months year is just acknowledging that. And now I was even telling Connor, just having this feminine energy around me was the missing piece. Yeah. And I didn't know. And I think that's why I've fully been able to embrace myself and love myself in ways I never knew were possible. Oh, I feel so good. Yeah. That like, it brings me to tears. Like, yeah, I, and I, I can feel that coming from you, but I also can totally relate to that experience with myself. So it has like a double meaning, you know, but, um, yeah, I totally agree. It's, I mean, ultimately people are mirrors for us and, you know, if we hate something in somebody else or reject something in somebody else, we're just rejecting it in ourselves. And that is not, not a healthy or enjoyable way to move through space and to show up or ourselves or others. And I don't think we can be good partners or lovers or like friends, family members, whatever, if we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just so glad that you've had that experience. <laughs> know, over the last week. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. When you talk about being a sorceress mm-hmm. and you know, this, this witchy vibe and the magic and everything that you can create, what does that mean for you? It means, oh gosh, it means a lot. And it's more of a, like how I feel, um, when I show up for myself and for others and, you know, on it's, it's a going inwards and acknowledging my power and sort of my magneticism, if that's even a word. I think it is. Okay. (laughs) Um, and embracing my ability to conjure up whatever the hell I want and to, be the person I want and show up as the person I want to and to manifest things in my life and to ask, like have the, the confidence to ask for what I want, whether it's like interpersonal or just from the universe itself and to like make that happen and channel it. And 
I think if we're really clear about what we want, we get it. I think we get what we ask for. Consciously you, or subconsciously. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if you're not super clear about it, then everything gets muddied. So it it feels it feels like just embracing my power. And I think we're all capable of it. I think some of us are sort of more in tune than others just because of where we're at in our evolution and our journeys. But to me, it just, it feels like an authentic representation of who I am when I'm sitting in my power. Mm. And it, it's something that I have to constantly remind myself of because when I, yeah, like when I get anxiety and I feel disembodied, I'm, I'm not living that. I'm, just kind of a mess really. And if I can go back to who, like how I know myself to be and who I know myself to be at this point, it's, it's that powerful individual that can sort of create and conjure up whatever it is that I want to and manifest whatever I want to. I'm curious when you talk about asking for what you want and manifesting things in your life, there's that control piece where I think that's where we get lost in spirituality is we believe, okay, I'm going to manifest this. I'm fucking making this happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get the vision board. I'm going to pull my cards. I'm going to hold the crystal. I'm saying, make it happen now. And I did that for a long time. And I was like, Oh, it's not actually how you get to do it. It can look differently for me. It's really just being authentically who I am and truly knowing myself and then allowing things to expand out of that rather than here's the goal. I'm going to make that happen. Yeah. What does your process look like? So that's a good question. Um, one of the things I've learned over the last however many years is that I don't have control, um, and learning how to surrender and how to embrace the process of kind of evolving as an individual. And for me, it looks like getting really clear on my values and sort of I, co- I constantly revisit like my essentially my core values and you know my mission statement as an individual and as long as I am on a daily basis living that and for me it's serving others and I mean there's a lot to it but as long as I'm serving others and being the best version of myself and not having expectations then it, it feels like I am manifesting the life I want recognizing that I don't have, I really don't ultimately have control, but I do have control over how I perceive situations and how I am showing up. And as long as those things are in alignment, I like, that's kind of been my process. You know, I still pull tarot cards and I still read and, you know, like write out, you know, I was doing like a three year, like manifestation, like how I want my life to look. Mm. Um, not in like, this, these are the like specific things I want in terms of like professional things. Cause what I want changes on a daily basis, but how I want to be, I guess, and what I want my relationships to look like. And it's more getting clear on what, again, like what my values are and how I want to show up for the people around me and what like the core core tenets of like who I am, as long as I'm clear of with that, then, then the path forward is authentic and less controlling. Like I definitely used to have that, like I need to control everything. Like this is the way it is. Like, this is what I want. I'm going to get it. And I've just learned that one, I generally don't have a clear idea of exactly what I want because what I want changes so consistently, Mm -hmm. but 
if I am being the person that I want to be, then what comes in and what I like where I'm going ends up working out. And I kind of see your, your life as a choose your own adventure book. Like you get to a fork in the road and you choose which direction then you get to another fork in the road and you choose which direction and you can always go backwards if you want. But for me, it's just like making a decision, getting to another decision-making point and making another one. And as if those decisions are being made in alignment with my values, then I'm on the right track, you know, or at least a track. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned not having expectations. I think that's been one of the hardest lessons for me because again, that's a part of my control. If I can control the experience and the outcome, then I know I'm in control and I feel safe releasing expectations of other people's experiences or what something's going to look like or going on a trip with Connor and how that's going to turn out. There's so many variables and things that could happen and we're not in control of other people and how they choose to view the world or their experience or whatever they're going through. And that, though that has been so difficult, has been the most relieving thing I could have ever done for myself because I don't have to carry the burden of what the experience is going to look like and try and make it look that way. And even just in, in our relationship, you know, he's going to be going through his own thing and and having his own experience and putting expectations on him and how he should respond and react and be, that's a lot of pressure on me. And I never realized how much pressure I put on myself to manage everybody and everything. And it's allowed me to just be in my experience and be okay with whatever that looks like. Yeah. And be more open to things that I never knew were possible yeah. because it's outside of that scope of what my expectations already were. Totally. I think expectations act as like those blinders that horses wear Yes. and you only see the things that you want to see or that you are open to seeing. And if you take those off, there is a whole nother world that exists And then you realize that we only have, like, we're only able to perceive like a a small amount of what's actually there. So like take the blinders off and there's this whole other level of experience of things that we can see. And then you realize that there's all of these other things that we can't actually see, but that are, that are there. Then it's like, well, shit, like how do I remove that next layer of blinder that, you know, like expectation and assumption and whatever. So I love that. I love that you guys have been able to go through that together and then he's opened that up for you. When you butt up against a boundary or an edge where you're like, I could push this, I'm safe, but it's scary. What do you do in those moments? (laughs) So I love edges and boundaries like in the way of, um, I, well, I can explain it. So I have a tattoo on the back of my foot that says lapel du vide, and it translates into the call of the void. Mm-hmm. And it's a French phrase. And I, so it's the feeling of when you're on top of something or on the edge, or like for me, it was always like at waterfalls or wanting to jump off, not, not because you wanted to die, but because you wanted to know what it felt like. And I have felt like that since I was a little kid. Um, never, never could put words to it. And I, I don't remember when I heard this phrase, I think it was in high school I was like, oh, like, that's it. Like, that's what I have felt my entire life. And it is, I come up to an edge or a boundary or something and I'm like, I need to know what the other side tastes like, feels like all of it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to live in that or that 
it's right for me, but I have always been one to push boundaries and to jump off of things or into things or like kind of always have like one foot in one foot out of my life, which has been a challenge. Like the grass is always greener thing. And I I really struggle with that and kind of have to bring myself back to like, Oh, like this is something you deal with on a daily basis in your brain and you need to learn to be present and, you know, immerse yourself in experiences. But God, I fucking love edges and I love standing on them. I love been skydiving a number of times and it's the most calm I've ever been Wow, falling out of a plane and or out of the sky, I guess. Yeah. Edges are one of my favorite things. And I think I've always, I've always been that person. My parents have kind of always joked about, you know, like different qualities I've had, but my mom would like put me down somewhere as a baby and I would like see something on the other side of the room or whatever. And I would be like off to the races trying to get to it. And, you know, I think I've always like my entire life been one to kind of push, push boundaries, you know, forge my own path, you know, doing so within the rules. Cause I'm, I am a people pleaser and I like, can't <laughs> feel like I'm doing something really wrong. So I have to be able to justify it. But if I can justify it, which as an addict, I can justify probably about anything. Um, I like, yeah, I am all in want to try everything at least once, um, need to experience the whole gambit of things and yeah, boundaries and edges are my thing for sure. Curious nature of yes. <laughs> what does this feel like? Yes. I must know. That's so awesome. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So happy we finally got to hang out. I know, me too. I love everything you're about and I'm just grateful for the way you show up. So thank you. I really appreciate that. And vice versa. Like I mean, we've been talking about this for a while and I'm glad that we finally got to connect in person and I, I have no doubt that there will be a lot lots more of that in the future. It's me. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.